Eternal Dirtles is a podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and supporters like you. Come to our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and support us. Thanks. Stitcher Supplier is milling over three. Oh, good! Gacky, gack, gack. Sacrifice it to cabal therapy. Gack, gack, gack. You know who's delving graveyards? None other. So can both them creatures then? No mana spent, subdelver. Cast gack on a stack, gonna trample shit up. Eight, eight, don't play. True name shit out of luck. Ban hammer, did I stammer? RD done slipped up. We legacy in this necropolis is running them up. Black creatures, new features, straight up cash in the gap. Convoking, shit's broken, as a matter of fact. Your Karaka stops his nonsense in this moment for show. But this gacking's still gon' happen, your life totals no more. Opponent shrugging, they got nothing and conceding the game. It would serve y'all well to remember the name. Oh, gack, he attacked, coming back for some more. His format shakeup isn't ready to get gacked to the floor. What you doing? Stop the brewing and start casting the gack. In the red zone, they all tremble, cause they gonna get smacked. Oh, by the way, I got supplier and this hasty bug gas. Time to slip, check the box, go enjoy some Shake Shack. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Gully and Phil Blackman. Nate, Phil, how's it going, guys? Well, I'm sitting here looking at you because we're in the same room. <laughs> and Phil is back at his apartment. They're doing it live. I'm doing it live from somewhere else. We're in, we're, yeah. we're in the financial district of Manhattan. Yeah, where there was just fireworks. <laughs> yeah, what was that all about? I could not figure out why we were having fireworks. There's always fireworks. Every October 6th, there's always fireworks. <laughs> all right. So, um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump right into our set review. Uh, quick note for everyone, we do have some guest reviewers. This is a thing that we're going to be trying out this time. We pre-recorded a couple interviews with people who guest reviewed some of our cards. So, thank you to them. There are also people I didn't get a chance to catch up with why I asked to do it. But that's how it goes sometimes, and we'll get them in next time. Just making sure we have those cards on the list, actually. Yeah, we do. Okay, good. So, Phil sent a list of cards that is... Improbably long. It's a pretty long list for this set. <laughs> Alright, we're starting out with Oko, Thief of Crowns. This is one blue and a green for a legendary planeswalker, Oko. He has four loyalty. Uh, plus two, create a food token. Plus one, target artifact or creature loses all abilities. And becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. Minus five, exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. I completely underestimated how good this card was. Um, I've seen it in play a few times uh, on Arena, and I can just see this taking over a board in, uh, in Legacy, just continually to put out uh, tokens, turning them into deer elk. and elk. <laughs> sure, elk. And, uh, and and basically being able to just take over the board by either sacrificing your food to stay in the game or having three threes that constantly come in. Bill, you liked this for Legacy from the start. Literally from the start, I had to take a second and just get past not knowing what food meant. But the card is insanely busted. It's, you, you put it onto the board. Its loyalty is insane. Like Nobody's attacking this thing down unless they're expending a bunch of other resources to do it. The fact that this thing can... It, it can come in, it can either deal with whatever the biggest threat is, make its own threat, protect itself. Like, a burn deck can never beat this thing because it just pumps out food and goes out to an insane loyalty count. But then 
if you play that, let, let's say you go, you play any creature, right? Let's say you go Tarmogoy for Delver or whatever creature you're playing. I then go, okay, uh, Abrupt Decay, Untap, Slam, Oko, plus. You can no longer play creatures. Because you're going to get food. That is just not an, you just don't have the option to play a creature that Oko can steal anymore. Because if this thing steals a creature, even if you then spend another card to get rid of it after it's at one loyalty, you're then, you're, you are radically far behind. The thing is that not to mention not, this guy's still making food. Like if you, it, it's negative five to to do his. Uh, he, he's in the kitchen. He's always in the kitchen. Yeah, he's always in the kitchen. And the, the other the other thing about this card though is that like it's not even that it's just good against the creature decks. The fact that it can turn off uh, artifacts as well means that it's also just good against the Chalice Trinisphere decks. Yes. Like, Oh, turn your chalice or turn your thing into a three-three, whatever. But I can cast my spells again. Yeah, and so like just, lightning bolt to kill it, I guess. So yeah, it's like if you just spent a bunch of resources, like if you went turn one, uh, Simeon Spirit Guide Tomb, play a Trinisphere. If I can get this thing onto the board, I can plus it to five, turn your thing into a three-three, and then all of a sudden I can cast my spells again, and the game is back on live. You know, where otherwise you, you the, the, your deck would might have been cold to something like that. So the fact that it's good against both Chalice decks and Creature decks, okay, yeah, it's not good against Dark Depths, but, like, it's so good against everything else. You can't... I, I just, like, this card seems so wildly powerful to me, and it's just going to bring back, like, the four-colored, just good card decks, and Bug is going to become a deck again with this thing. The fact that it's blue, so... You're incentivized to play like a whole bunch of them, even if he does have uh, super high loyalty. Like the card has no fault. It has no faults. Um, it pitches to both relevant forces. Was what they said on so many yeah. insane plays. Which I thought was kind of funny. You actually what, gotta consider that now. One of the things I want to point out uh, what you were saying before, Phil, about the Chalice decks. I think Chalice decks are quickly becoming a thing of the past because of things like constant three mana planeswalkers. You have True Nemesis in those decks that you want to play. You've got Renin Six. Suddenly, playing like an all one-drop deck isn't really a thing anymore. Even still, the the, not, the the idea that this card... I mean, you mentioned True Name. Like, this even stacks up well against True Name. Because they have mm. to go after you. Like, you can't attack Oko when he has a plus two. And then he can just also plus one to make three threes. Like, the, the, <laughs> well, you're just, he can never be attacked down. Like, you have to Red Blast him. You have to Red Blast him. I, I was not a believer in this card when it was spoiled, especially once I figured out what food was. I will say that I think a Planeswalker that makes a permanent every turn for this much loyalty, it's almost like it doesn't matter what the permanent is. Yeah. Like, that is just that on its own. It's like making it, putting a thing into play every turn that you can then exploit in some other way. You can sack them to uh, the uh, Annihilator trigger. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Arcbound Ravager. Like, you can just do so much... I just think that's I think that's what's what's pushing it over the top, Phil, and I, I applaud you for seeing it because I did not see it. The other thing that's like really valuable about and this is just something from having played Miracles Forever, it's really nice when you can you wanna play a card that incidentally has life gain in it in your deck that's trying to go super long. And the fact that Oko does so many things and then he just incidentally can gain you a bunch of life. You, you're not playing him to gain life, but the fact that that's an option on the card in your control deck means that once you've stabilized, you're not just dead to a top deck. Well, for sure. I mean, in True Name Nemesis, this nullifies every True Name attack for two well, tabs. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it, 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 True Name has to go after him, 
But then it's like, if that's the case, I say, okay, you're just knocking off one loyalty. Yeah, every turn. And that's just not good enough. Yep. And, and you also, can, the, 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 the second thing's a plus, so even you can crack back for plus, you know? numbers on this thing just seem so egregious to me in terms of, like, how powerful all the things that he's doing are doing. You know, granted, like, they're doing it in standard, so, like, uh, you know, stealing a creature with CMC 3 or less is, may not be as good in standard, although it seems like it probably is still. I don't know. I don't really play it. But, like, in Legacy, what is what is bigger than CMC 3 that isn't a gimmick? Right. Now the Gurmet Gangler has been pushed out a little bit, and then you're just going to make it into a 3-3. Well, to, to answer your question, Phil... Uh, Hydroid Crisis is a two mana card. No, no, his point being that, like, yeah. Oh, I, I was gonna say, if, if, if you're playing, like, I would imagine the 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 deck that's tough for a card like this is something like Dark Depths. But if you're just like in the market to play Strixes or, sh- or Stringes, is I think the correct plural. Or Coatles, which are on color. Yeah, whatever that, whatever you do, just to like put away in it, so you're not dead to an attack. They can't. They have to deal with that before they deal with. Like they have to get in at instant speed. Like, like if Oko's on the table, like he just he just brick walls so many patterns that would you would otherwise see played. Uh, our friend Callum Smith had some sort of five color deck that he where he just beat a Blood Moon by playing uh, two Astrolabes, making Oko, gaining a bunch of life, and then turning the Astrolabes into three threes and winning. Nice. So <laughs> another reason Astrolabe is amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, I think we should move on, but I, I, I think this card can find a home, and I'm, I did not think that before. It's unbelievable, and this is the type of thing where if this would be at Ren prices, if not for it being in a standard print set as opposed to a specialty set. Right. Oh, possibly. It's that good. Uh, okay, we've got another another planeswalker, the Royal Scions. The Royal Scions are one blue and red. For Legendary Planeswalker Will Rowan, uh, it also starts at 5 loyalty, plus 1, draw a card, then discard a card. A second plus ability, plus 1, target creature gets plus 2, plus 0, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. Minus 8, draw 4 cards. When you do, the Royal Scions deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. Um, I mean, we've got the theme now of just these like high loyalty 3-mana Planeswalkers. That just really is going to put a, put a premium on on Pyroblast. I guess the, the question is, is the this one spell. going to get played? Or the Elder Spell, yeah. This card, I think, the the plus one, obviously, looting is is fine. It's good. Three mana is a lot for a loot. And also, in Legacy, we get to have Dak Faden that just does it better. So I think the, the difference in this card is, if you're playing a deck that's trying to just protect it to the ultimate, because the ultimate is game-winning, uh... Like three mana kill a thing, draw four cards, so it's a five for one, and you were like fixing your hand whilst having it on the board. Yeah. Uh, but I think that the decks that if you were playing this, it would see play in a deck that can really leverage the second ability, the plus two plus oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when it first came out, everybody thought about you know you put you put this in with Dreadheart Arcanist, and that opens up a whole bunch of windows for like more than just one CMC spells. Uh, but then that makes me think, okay, well, what are the spells bigger than one CMC that you want to abuse? Uh, I, I think that if this this is not like Oko, where it's just gonna, it's ubiquitously good uh, because Dak is going to be competition with it. Uh, I think that if there is a deck that can exploit the plus two, though, this is the type of card that could definitely see a home. But it's the more, plus two. 
Or the, the, the plus one, I'm sorry. The plus they're both the plus one, one. They're plus two, plus seven. I see. Yeah. The pump ability, yeah. yeah. So if you're playing a, a, a deck that is trying to just curve out to this or play a really powerful uh, a two-drop that wants to attack into this, um, you know, it's like the, this... I, I could have seen this as the Planeswalker that maybe Delver would have wanted to play if they wanted to get away from something like TNN if it wasn't... Uh, if people were prepared for it. Like, this is a nice pivot. I mean, why not play it with TNN? TNN? Well, they have Ren now, and I don't know if they want another Sorcery Speed 3-drop that, you know... It is, it is true. Not, it doesn't, doesn't flip Delver. True. It doesn't flip, yeah. So, but if there's a, a world where a, a deck that just wants to be hitting a lot harder with creatures that, you know... The, the, I think the, the, the secret to this is in the second ability. And if this deck finds a home, it'll be one of the backbone cards. The same way that, you know, like Jace is a backbone of miracles. But it's got to be in a deck that's it's it's trying to either get you dead or uh, make it so that the things that it's helping plus become bigger threats while it tries to go to ultimate since both of its abilities plus. Yeah. Okay. So deck fade and I just checked is a three is three loyalty plus one to four for the draw two discard two. This is the fact that it just goes to six is super good, um, and that both of its abilities plus like that's that's also really good. There, the argument here, I think, for this in so, sort of an aggressive deck is if you don't have pressure, you play this and you start digging for pressure, and it's a six, it's a six loyalty planeswalker, so it's probably not going to die. If you do have pressure, you use the other plus plus one, you attack them, and that's just you just spam that until you minus eight, right? Yeah. So the, the thing for this is like you this, never card run is, this card is going to be very good when you're ahead at pressing you further ahead. And then it will, it's also very good when you're at uh, parity because of the, the the loot, but it's not as good when you're behind. And it like when you're behind, it might get you like two loots and then die, which isn't the worst. But like a faithless looting for three mana that bought you a turn is probably not worth the card. Uh, Here's my beef with this card: is it dies to blue blast and red blast. Yeah, but and people are playing Blue Blast right now because of Ren. Yeah, I I think that if you're playing this card in uh, like if you're playing this card, your your deck is going to have a lot of cards that are going to be. You know, like, if you're playing yeah. this card, like, your entire deck is going to have targets for the Red Blast and Blue Blasts, and I don't know if you know, like I I wouldn't just think that their one card is going to be able to hit this because it's like. You know, it gets hit by red blast and blue blast. It's like, yeah, every walker that's playable is going to get hit by one of those at least. You know. Well, Phil, I think you're right about the the second plus one is the is the money here. Like, if there's a deck that can really take advantage of that, then we'll see this card. Unfortunately, for it otherwise, it competes with so many other three mana walkers yeah. at this point, um, and that's really I think that's holding it back more than anything. That would hold it back more than anything. You I know? could also see this in a world like this actually just being a card. Uh, uh, that that's put in a deck that's just trying to get this thing to ultimate because it's a really quick ultimate. It goes to six. It's 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 a spend three, and then you can win the you just win the game, yeah. right? Because like hitting that like it, it's to, it's deals damage to any target, right? So yes. like it, all of a sudden, if this is on the board against an opposing walker, like this is gonna ult faster than them, and then you're gonna draw cards and then be able to either kill the walker. Hit them for a bunch of damage, which might just finish the game, or like hit their creature, and then you're also just gonna have a full grip to their whatever they were working with 
already. Yep. So I think there's a couple avenues with this card, but I, I think that, it, yeah, the secret's in the plus two. Or I, the plus two plus oh, the second ability. The second ability, yep. All right. Good card, though. Good card. Emery, Lurker of the Lock, and we are losing some uh, Two and a blue for legendary creature Merfolk Wizard. This spell costs... Affinity for artifacts. Affinity for artifacts. This spell costs one less cast for each artifact you control. When Emery, Lurker of the Lock, enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Tap. Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast this car that card this turn, and it's a 1-2... I mean, Phil, it's Blue Legend. Let's, should we go over the, the Blue Legends that Phil has loved over the years? So <laughs> yeah, we got to start. We got to start with Nabon. Nabon, remember Nabon? I do remember Nabon. Yeah. And then we had Glazov. Right. Lozov yeah. there. I, dude, when they spoiled Gadwick out of this set, I was like, "Oh yeah, Gadwick! Like that's sweet. They gave you a Blue Sun Zenith that you can like cavern through. Like that's pretty dope." And then they spoiled Emery, and I was like, "You want to know what?" When I first saw Emery, I was tilted because I was like, you know, I knew over at some point, at some point, they were just going to give us a one mana blue legend that did something relevant, right? I was like, that, that's an inevitability as long as this game goes on. And I was an advocate for Mox Amber for all that time. And I bought Mox Ambers at like nine bucks a piece, right? And everybody's like, feel that card sucks not going to do anything. And I was like, no, they're going to print a one mana blue legend and then it's going to be great. And you know what I did? I bought my set of Mox Ambers for nine bucks a piece. And you know what they are right now? Because Emery's in the most busted modern deck. They're 25 40? bucks a piece now. No. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, dude, I fucking called it. I called Mox Amber was going to be broken because at a certain point, right, especially with them saying we're going to print more legends every set, we're going to print twice as many legends because we want to support EDH players, that that means that the trajectory of how powerful Mox Amber could be could only go up. Like, the power level can only go up as they print more Legends, right? right. Well, you alluded to this modern deck. How does that work? Oh, it's it, it, Emery's in uh, a paradoxical outcome modern deck. It's pretty much just, like, vintage and modern. What, why, why hasn't that happened in Legacy yet with this card? I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to do that, dude. Well, the thing is, is that in Legacy, when you're playing blue, you are priced into Ponder, Brainstorm, Force of Will. And that takes up a lot of slots. And Emery wants a huge bounty of artifacts because obviously you want to put her down on turn one. And then you want cheap artifacts to recur. But the deck, in modern at least, is all eight Moxen, four engineered explosives because you can cast it uh, out of the yard with Starburst. Uh, with, um, yeah, Starburst, right? Sunburst. Yes. Starburst. Yes. Starburst is candy. So you can cast it out of the yard with Sunburst. <laughs> um, and Emery... Uh, having the recursive value of being another cheap thing that you can bounce with your paradoxical outcome. So you just spam the board, and then you paradoxical outcome, and then eventually you cast Urza. Urza's Telerian Academy, so you cast all the artifacts, and you cast another PO, and then you just pretty much are Telerian Academy PO, and it's insane. And then you finish it off with, like, your choice. So I've been trying to brew the, like a, a, a similar deck to that in Legacy where uh, you get to play all of the broken artifacts that you get leveled up, you play PO and you play like Merchant Scroll so you can find PO or Toolbox and then just blue, uh, Brain Freeze people. Uh, I was thinking, okay, so you can play the PO Brain Freeze deck. Uh, and then the other deck that I was thinking that is probably just more powerful that Emery could go in is the LED Echo deck. That's a good one. And so like LED that. Echo, because with Emery, if you, if you mill 
off the Emery, if you hit Echo, that's great, right? You want Echo in the yard anyway. And then every out of the yard. So I think like the actual home for this card when it's in the broken combo deck is going to just be <laughs> this plus the bu busted mana with Narset and Echo, and that is, so now you can just actually play the mono blue Echo deck, and you're just going to be able to combo more consistently because you have a really powerful turn one play that demands an answer, and then uh, you're also incentivized to play four of this anyway because it'll be able to pitch the force if you cash it in for like. You can use the uh, second one to just mill over four to like clear a brainstorm, uh, or put another echo into your yard or something like that. Uh, this card is going to only find homes in decks where it's busted. This deck's never doing anything fair, or uh, Emery's never doing anything fair. I can't say disagree. We have we're not trying just guy ascendancy lotus petal. So I think just guy ascendancy lotus petal is the the one problem I had when I was trying to put that deck together is. The idea that you need both an Emery and a Jeskai Ascendancy. And yeah. it's a combo that just it's a combo that loses to like all of the cards that could be combo decks, all the counter magic. But then also if they bolt your Emery, it also like your your combo can just get blown out by a bolt as well. So you need to have something else. You need another way to take advantage of the Jeskai Ascendancy. Although for for everybody who's listening that with, with Emery, if you just go turn one Emery after spamming a bunch of artifacts, uh, you can go turn two Jeskai Ascendancy, and then if you have a Lotus Petal, you can sack the Lotus Petal. Emery can cast the Lotus Petal back out of the yard. The Jeskai Ascendancy will untap the Emery, and then you and, can just tap the Petal again. You, you essentially just go infinite. So you, you, you go through your whole deck. Emery becomes infinitely large. Uh, not, not infinitely, but you know the size of your deck large. So like any other shenanigans you have where you can put cards in your yard, you just essentially go off. Well, the winner, the winner would be walk, Walking Ballista. You would Walking Ballista. Yeah, you could just loot a Walking Ballista into the yard, and then you'd, you'd use Emery to cast it. Uh, and you would eventually be netting mana because you'd be drawing your deck, and you can just net mana off all the moxen, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Not to mention you could attack with Emery. Or you can attack with Emery if they don't have a blocker, yeah. And, and uh, since the loot on Jeskai Ascendancy is a May, you can just use it for infinite mana once you find the Walking Ballista, and you won't draw yourself out. Yes, you just need, uh, you'd need enough, you, you need to be able to cast a spell every time to untap the Emery with the Jeskai Ascendancy. So when I, I tried the deck out, you want to know the funniest thing that happened? So I was looking at the, the modern Jeskai list to be like, okay, what are the other combo cards that go along with this? And one of the cards is Fate Stitcher. And I'm like, oh, okay, Fate Stitcher's kind of cute. Let's see if that, like, if that works. So well, let's put Fate Stitcher in the deck because it's another thing where you can, if you mill it, that's good because then you can unearth it and it does something similar where you can just make it infinitely large, tap down all of their blockers, and then attack with a huge Fate Stitcher when you have it in combination with Jeskai Ascendancy, right? Because it can untap mana so you can keep casting spells. Uh... And what happened is there would be points where I cast the card, and Fate Stitcher, for those of you who don't know, is a three mana and a blue, so it's four mana for a one-two that says tap, and you may tap or untap another target permanent. And then it has unearth for just blue. But if you cast it, you want to know what deck can't beat a hard cast Fate Stitcher? No, no. depths, right? Dark depths. Dark depths. Dark four abrupt decay deck can't remove it. And it's a one-two that makes it so that your their twenty-twenty can never hit you. So they're, they're, they're they have to devolve to their plan B because they can never their twenty-twenty can just never get through. And I was like, that is so dumb. <laughs> I mean, it's great, but yeah. that was that was the cutest thing that I found when I was playing Fate Stitcher. Uh, the other card that I tried out in the deck was um, Arayo. You guys remember what Arayo does? Oh yeah, yeah. so you're gonna flip it. 
Yeah, so with Arayo, it's a one and a blue, one one legend. So it's another reason that you get might be able to play Mox Amber alongside Mox Opal and all the other busted artifacts because you just want to jam mm -hmm. an Emery as fast as possible. But Arayo is a one one for one and a blue. It says whenever you cast the fourth spell this turn, you flip it. So you essentially you transform it. And it becomes an enchantment that says whenever your opponent casts their first spell each turn, counter it. Yeah, that yeah, was that played, played in, in Bomberman for a while. The idea yeah, you could yeah, like turn, turn one it and then just play a couple of bottles and you'd, then they would be locked out. Exactly. So like it, it's another card where it's like, okay, if you turn one in Emery, they're priced into killing it. They can't let you untap with Emery. So then you just play this and then you can play either a bunch more artifacts or, uh, you know, like the, the common play that I, I was trying to do with it was I was just playing a bunch of repeals. Um, <laughs> and so you play a Ryo, play a Mox, Tap the Mox for uh, repeal, repeal the Mox, draw a card, replay the Mox, you flip the Uriah. Yep, yep. And I was like, oh, okay, now there's a, a way that you can also, you, you have like that secondary combo that might just like lock an opponent so you can combo. Uh, and it's also another thing that's, uh, it's just another cheap blue legend. And you can filter through your legends by just looting them with your Disguise Endancies. Yep, yep. What a bizarre, what a bizarre card frame on Uriah. Bizarre card frame. Anything else? All right. I just say, I, I, like, Emery will see uh, play because it will find a home. It just matters what home. It's one of those things where it, whatever, if you ever see an Emery, the deck is doing busted. Yeah, <laughs> you got to kill Emery. Yeah. All right, we got Drought in the Lock. It's a blue and a black for an instant. Choose one. Counter target spell with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in this controller's graveyard or destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. I like that the flavor of any cards with the lock all deal with cards in the graveyard, as that's like the flavor that the graveyard is the lake that... A big lake? A big, big dead-ass lake? Yeah. So this card is pretty much... This card is always just going to be Counterspell or Terminate that's easier to cast, right? This card's awesome. It's it's good enough. I think it's worth seeing. I, I I think this just slides into that like one of weirdo removal slot. I think this would be this is going to become a four of in any like Grixis control or bug control deck, right? They don't really have the room for it. They don't play like four of a lot of stuff, and it's really just like because it's so situational. It doesn't really replace anything. Like they don't play counter spells other than force of will generally in those decks. I'm, like the fact that this card is going to be good both against uh, a Delver deck. And a storm deck. Like, in fact, it's good against combo and creature. Like, it, it, you never have to throw this card out. <laughs> it's really good against the card Pass and Flames. Um, I think this card, this card just seems, it, it doesn't seem to have, I, I'm like, this is just a split card that just says counter spell terminate. Well, yeah, and there, a couple of things like, one, like the, your, your sort of death and taxes, the uh, blood moon type decks that don't pump a lot of cards in the graveyard. This might be dead quite a lot. Um, and, I mean, it's it's not it's not gonna ever be super bad. I just don't think I just don't see it as like a four of maybe Zach understands what I'm talking about here. Just it's like not the kind of card that gets played as a four of in those kinds of decks. Well, specifically, I don't think I think the fact that it's your their graveyard that's the problem. Uh, so they're, if they're not doing anything with their graveyard, or you know, if they're not playing fetch lands, you know, that sort of stuff, yeah, uh, it could be it could be rough. It's just, the only deck that isn't actively putting a bunch of cards in their graveyard all the time is Mono Red. Death and Taxes doesn't put a lot of cards in its graveyard. Yeah, but if, if, they, if, you, if they put one card into their graveyard, it can already hit all their one drops. 
with conversion. Yeah, the only one drop is Mother of Runes or Giver of Runes. Then you're looking at two drops. I don't think it's. I don't think that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's like. It, it, it's like if it, if like, we have that weird thing where opponent goes like turn one, Delver turn two, Ren returns a land. They have like no cards in their graveyard, and like you want to kill the Delver. You can't. You know, it's, like, bizarre. I don't know. I, I can't imagine that a Delver deck just de has no cards in its yard. Like, Well, it's, it's, it's just, like, you can just delay it that turn. It's a tempo deck, and they're going to... They're gonna... Yeah, I mean, there's there's you can there's ways to play around this card, you know, as you're, as you're you know, playing Duramags or Delvin cards or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This The thing I, I can give this card a, a break on is that it's not, like, non-creature spell to counter. It's just spell. Yeah. It's just one of those bizarre things where it's, like... I don't. I don't think it's bad, but I, I. I find myself feeling like if I put this in my deck, something's gonna go wrong. Like when I need it, like it's gonna. They're gonna go ancient tomb island show and tell, and I'm gonna be looking at this thing in my hand like, ugh, why could this be actual counter spell or something? You know, that doesn't mean it's gonna happen. But this strikes me as just a, a, a ubiquitously good card that's just going to show up because it's it's super flexible and the raid is great, and I think it's just gonna be great. I, I agree, and I don't mean to be down on it. I'm just saying that like. You know, I, I I think it's in that like two to one to two. Like Tyrant Scorn was just printed and that gets played. You know, this gets this is better. That's better against Dark Depth. So it's really like one of those your mileage may vary cards depending on what you're like, going to face. I think Tyrant Scorn is actually like the card is. I I think Tyrant Scorn is like the very average card, and it just gets the upgrade into Legacy because you specifically have to deal with Merit Lage, and it's a card that is. But it's good specifically against Merrillage, and then it's not dead against other things, right? It's like it, it at least can do something that's better than Vapor Snag. Right. Well, it is literally a mediocre card because it's just Smother. It's just Smother. It's smother and, and Unsummon. <laughs> you only play that over on any other better removal spell because you need the bounce for Merrillage. Yeah. Where this card is just a good card. Yes, not good against Merrillage, but the fact that it can kill like the uh, Elvish Reclaimer can kill Confidant, like. Yeah. The, the the fact that it's going to be good against killing those creatures that you need to to disrupt in your deck that would play this card, and then also good against the other control decks because having a two mana counter spell is fine in games where you're both going to be hitting your land drops a bunch. I think right. this is just uh, generically good. Uh, Iron Krang Pyromancer, two and a red for an O four creature human wizard. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, Iron Krang Pyromancer deals three damage to any target. Off it. So you're already <laughs> off it. I put this card on the list because I, I think it the, the, the rate for a 3-mana 4 seems weird, but it's one of those things to me where if you play it, you then, every turn cycle, have the capacity if you're building around it, which is not even difficult. You already want to play cantrips anyway. But like, let's sure. say you, you play this, you have the uh, ability to just 6 them every turn. And it can hit any... Well, every turn cycle, because you got to hit... Draw two cards on their turn. Yeah, it makes Portland look effect. good. Brainstorm with this card on the table is just brainstorm plus bolt. Yeah, it's three mana. That's the thing that, that that upsets me. If it was two mana, I'd think about it. Three mana is just it's it's too much to get blown out by uh, your opponent's uh, fatal push or, or or abrupt decay or whatnot. We're we're not curving uh we're not curving uh, Tibalt into this and then just plus oneing every turn. We're not doing that. I, I just think that this card, <laughs> the fact that it, it turns every cantrip, like, you know cards that just say that the cantrips that you already would have wanted to play are great? 
You know, like, yes, young pyromancers, obviously, it's two mana, so it's going to be better in the decks that want to stay super lean. But, like, pyromancers are great because it turns all of these, all of your cantrips into spells that also net an additional card because it makes a 1-1. One, one. This one is just going to clear the board. It's like, oh, you have planeswalkers? Yeah, you can't run them out in front of the face of this iron, or you have to remove the iron crag first. Yeah, so I just I just looked up all the cards with this mechanic whenever you draw your second card each turn. We were going to talk about Improbable Alliance, which is blue and a red for an enchantment that says whenever you draw your second card each turn, you create a 1-1 one, one blue fairy creature token with flying. And then for four blue red, you can you can draw a card and discard a card. There's the Bloodhaze Wolverine, which gets plus one, plus one against first strike. A fairy that gets a plus one, plus one counter every time you do. There's a guy that makes tokens. Iron Craig Primates is a nice payoff for this. It's just, the rate is troubling. But it's Whoops. also like, Sylvan Library to this is insane. Isn't there a, like a blue-red legend from Zendikar that does this? It's when you, that's when you cast your second spell each turn, draw oh. a card. That's Jorian. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, with you on the, I'm with you on the mechanics good. I'm with you on the effect is good. Oh, I wish this was one and a red for like a, what? One three, one in red for one three. To then do it's this. bolt bait. Then it's bolt bait. No, no. If it, we're just trying to figure out like how could you pl- like two in a red for that is just a lot. But you know, it might not be. I don't know. I think if you if you are building your deck around this card, it doesn't. You can also play it in a deck where you you can try and turbo it out. It, it just strikes me as a, a card. It's a three mana card that works with all the cards that you already want to be playing that just draw additional cards. And the fact that every turn cycle, it can dome something for six. You can do three on your turn, three on their turn, and it just becomes what the game becomes about if you are in a high-resource environment. Like, the the same way that, like, Mentor is terrible in a low-resource environment, it's the same thing with this card. But this card strikes me as... It can just end the game in two turns, three turns. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's interesting. I really do. True Name Nemesis. Why does that have to exist? Everything is at three mana. Like I, I don't think that this that card and TNN are even competing for the same deck. If you're playing Iron Crag uh, Pyromancer, you're playing a deck that's trying to go high velocity and playing a, a, a bunch of cantrips and other cards that just let you, you know, draw a second card every turn. But yeah. adding the, the fact that you get to do all the things that you would otherwise want to be doing and then just attach lightning bolts to all of your cantrips is a, is a really powerful effect. I, I wouldn't sleep on the card. If it sees no play, I won't be surprised. But like if it does, I think it'll be it really it, it could find a home. I, I would play that card. Final final note. Narset exists. Yeah, but only in one deck, really. Yeah. It, it, yes, it exists, but it, it exists in one deck, and you're red blast it. Move on. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, yeah, you can't. You're not beating our set with the, the, the card that's built around drawing two dark spirits. Yeah. Um, howling mine. You're howling mine online. Uh, Vantress gargoyle, one and a blue for an artifact creature gargoyle with flying. Vantress gargoyle can't attack unless defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard. Vantress gargoyle can't block unless you have four or more cards in hand. Tab. Each player puts a top card of their library into their graveyard. I mean, I don't think you care about this thing blocking. The goose is just the loosest. 
it's 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 probably it's it's the same thing as drown in the lock like it's gonna you're gonna be like oh i wish this was a you know insert card here when your opponent doesn't have any cards in their graveyard and there's been plenty of times where i've where i've won games with uh nimble mongoose as a one one for a very long time i i wonder if a five four for one more mana is is comparable it's seven cards in their graveyard yeah yeah, yeah. well i'm just saying like yeah. you know well in mongoose you're pumping cards in your own graveyard yeah yeah I can't. I can't believe we're we're the, you guys hedging on this card for the because of like the 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 graveyard, quote unquote drawback or whatever. Like this card's insane. It's a two mana. This thing doesn't die to bolt. It can. It's gonna be able to block the turn it comes in, which means it stands in the way of a delver, and then it's just it it just becomes a tombstalker, in blue. That oh, if it can't attack, guess what it gets to do? Clear the chave off of your ponder or your brainstorm. This card's yeah. insane. This you're gonna you're gonna mill their ancient grudge and feel really bad. That's the big the big part actually is is having that ability that makes it even if it is currently useless, it will be something that you know the top of your deck you'll be able to manipulate stuff. It's an awesome card for like land no control. This card's insane. It, it's like oh wait a minute I I would need to fill my graveyard and I can delve and make my you know five five flyer for two mana. I mean your opponent has to play the game. This thing is just going to be on. And if it's not, like, it helps itself get there. This card's, this card's, I can't believe that this card is going to be in the, the format and just be killing me for five in the air on turn two. On turn two. I, well, I guess if you're playing Emory, you're going to have seven cards. <laughs> this, um, this card is so big for so little. And the, the, the fact that it, it has value in a deck that can manipulate the top of its library, even if it's not going into combat, like... So you know where I like this actually is in a deck that has counterbalance. There, there are so many homes this card could yeah. go in. This is also one of those really amazing cards to like pivot out of your board against a deck that they just are going to board the removal out against you if you're a control deck. And you're like, cool, here's my two mana 5-4 that's going to roadblock for me and then eventually just kill you in three swings. There was all those uh, Tarmogoyf counterbalance decks back in the day, Zach. So. Yeah. 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 This, this card is... The, the rate on this card is unbelievable. If anybody sleeps on this card, you're you're a, you're a fool. It's it's weird. It's not sleeping as much as just like you know. We'll see if it if uh, if you know it is in practice like we think it is because just so many hyper efficient things already exist. But for all we've got to, definitely people have already tested it and have had some success with it. So it's um, going to be, it's it's a staple. It's just it's going to exist in the format, and we're we're all going to die to it and win with it a bunch for the rest of our lives. Mystic Sanctuary. This is a land island, so this is an island subtype. Um, Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other islands. When Mystic Sanctuary enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. Uh, this card is good. I appreciate that they had to give us reminder text that islands produce blue mana. This card is also <laughs> not... Uh, a secret anymore. It's it's been a, a at least a two of in miracles decks, and it is phenomenal. I played against it in show and tell. Yeah, I had to I had to I had to thought seize their Emrakul so that they couldn't so that they couldn't met Mystic Sanctuary back the show and tell I had just discarded from them. The card is Yeah, like if you have this with your counterbalance on the table and a fetch land. They, you just get to counter their spell for cracking the fetch. Yep, I don't think the three more islands is anything close to a cost. Um, so, there you go. 
Uh, in Vintage, you can, there's people gushing it back in Vintage, Zach, so you got that to look forward to. Jeez. Zach, um, did, did that make you, did that just like make you feel all warm inside? Oh, I don't want anything to do with this card in Vintage. I just want to stop people from playing the game. Dude, this card is, I mean, we don't really need to say much about there's it. Not like, much, there's not much to say about it at this point because make, people have seen it and play a little bit and we, you just sort of know what's going to happen. It's going to, you're going to go to Surgical Extraction, the card Show and Tell, your opponent's going to fetch in response, and then you're just going to jam a nice pick in your brain. Um, Wishclaw Talisman. Uh, this card we do have a guest reviewer on, uh, so we'll let them go. All right, we're going to bring in our next guest reviewer. It's Corey Kozlowski. Uh, Corey is a longtime friend of the show, and it's great to be able to have you on, Corey. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the card I wanted to talk to you about was Wishclaw Talisman, and this is an artifact for... It is actually a black artifact, which is, you know, something that we don't always see, a colored artifact. Although I guess they have... Uh, I guess they have decided this is like a thing they're gonna do now. More, more of those, more of those things. So it's one in a black for this artifact. Enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it, and then one tap. Remove a wish counter from Wishclaw Talisman. Colon. Search your library for a card. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. So Corey, I I thought of you for this because you played a number of fun. Uh, combo decks over the years. Uh, I've known you as a Tin Fins player. I believe you played Bomberman at the most recent GP. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's that's definitely true. Um, yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a janky combo deck that I haven't played. And this is this is like an interest. It, this is such an interesting card. I mean, it, it's like you can. Do you want to use it for value and then just like see if your opponent takes advantage of it, or do you want to blank that part of it, or are you just using it literally as a essentially a three mana demonic tutor, right? So you've got like lots of avenues you could go on this. Oh yeah, this this is actually a really interesting card. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot, and it seems like it's 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 a strange one because it's, it seems like it's just past the efficiency like threshold for something like ant yeah. or like especially like test because test is so low to the ground but ant was where i initially thought this could fit and then i don't think ant really wants to be setting down an artifact and passing turn and not sculpting its hand most of the time but i mean i'm no i'm no storm expert that's for sure uh but it just didn't it didn't seem like it fit yeah. uh so I, and i've been i've been I came up with a, a little shell for it where I thought it could fit, and it was basically a, a mono-black two-card Monty deck. And uh, it was the, like traditional two-card Monty with Helm of Obedience and uh, Leyline of the Void and then Painter Grindstone as well. And oh. then you I just guess. get to jam four Wishclaw Talisman in there along with four Karn, and Karn finds you, you know, three-quarters of your combo... Wishclaw Talisman finds you whatever you're missing, and you're still going like you know fairly stompy with the list as well. So you can power stuff out pretty quick. That's really that's really interesting because it's like it is true. And if you like are just like I'm just gonna win the turn I activate this, then having a number of just efficient two card combos is the is the way to go, right? Would you consider rest in peace instead of um, instead of leyline? I guess if you're playing black, it's not that big a deal. I guess you could play Urborg and even Dark Ritual if you really wanted to. Yeah, so the list I came up with, and uh, I can 
kind of shoot it over to you really quick. It was a dark ritual list. Um, so it was very, it was very traditional, except for the addition of wish clawed talisman and, uh, Karn, of course. Right. And it's been something I've kind of been tinkering with. Cause I, I tinkered with like Narset builds with Karn and echo of Aeons and things like that. And from gold fishing, this list, it seemed like it was the most consistent I've gotten it. Um, but essentially like going back to wish claw talisman itself, the more and more I goldfished the shell I put it in, and there's probably other shells you could fit in it. You could probably come up with a uh, Bolus's Citadel Stormless that it would fit well in, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but the most important part of this card that I've found is the very last line. Activate this ability only during your turn. And I, I found that there was a lot of situations when, when goldfishing, because I haven't taken this quite to, to moto yet, because I've yeah. still been tweaking it. But if you could activate this on your opponent's end step and just give it to them, th- this card would be way too broken. That is the one line of text that keeps this card from being just straight-up demonic tutor. Right. I, I think that... Well, it also pr- protects you if they if your opponent has a way to untap it when you give it to them, too, which is which is nice. The thing about this, that ability that I noticed as well is that it's activate only during your turn, but not if you could cast a sorcery. And I've been trying to figure out if there's anything you can do with, like, something on the stack. Like, you can, you can, like, um, I don't know. I was thinking about something. I don't know if there's something with Lion's Eye Diamond or something like that, or Doomsday even, or something like that, where you can, like, use the ability at instant speed in response to something you're doing, you know? Well, so there was something that came up in this list that I was thinking about is like, so, so say they go to kill your painter servant and in response, you can activate wish claw, get like a dark ritual, dark ritual, and then activate grindstone. Yeah. So there's stuff like that, but it's, it seemed a little narrow for activating at instant speed. Of course, I'm sure it would come up eventually. But yeah. This, this card is definitely cool. I'm, I'm going to have to keep thinking about what I can fit this into. I actually just ordered some, um, <laughs> But because uh, I had to order some other stuff from this set, like uh, glass casket and whatnot. But this, I was just like, I might as well just get a play set of these. I'll eventually end up playing them in something. Right. Um, what, what's the glass casket for? Uh, I'm going to be trying that out in Bomberman. Like as uh, a wish be, target? Yeah, so I'm going to be replacing the second, uh, God, what's it called? The cast second out? cast out, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um because cast out's one of those things it's like it's like a necessary evil in that deck yeah but it's just it's not a good card <laughs> no it's not i i always bring it in and then cycle it too because i can't oh cast yeah it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you got some we got a, we got some bonus coverage of glass cast because i'm not sure if that was on phil's list but great Corey, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little bit about this card with us being one of our yeah first thanks for players. having me we're back. You got two things you can do with it, right? You can either win the turn you use the first wish counter and use your demonic tutor, or you can somehow n- negate the effect of your opponent getting it with something like Ashiok. How does that work? Stops you from searching your deck. Yeah, but you don't—they'll never search into your Ashiok. True. I mean, it just stops them from being able to use it. Yeah. Um. I mean, Teferi is fine. Teferi bouncing it back to your hand. Yep. Uh, Dak Faden stealing it back. <laughs> The other thing to note about this, too, is... Despot Acceptor, sorry. It, it says that uh, activate it only during your turn, not activate only as a sorcery. 
That so, is correct. That is correct. A lot of people so, are missing that. That that's that's a, a huge different a differential because that means that you can do like voltaic key shenanigans and potentially use like a bunch of the counters before you give it away or all of the counters potentially or something and just like tutor a bunch in the same turn. Uh, that, that is correct. Like, that's it. That's it for you, right? What deck that goes in, I don't know. But if this is a combo deck that you're just playing this demonic tutor in, if there is an artifact I mean, combo deck or something that you could do, like you could do your Voltaic Key shenanigans with or like some other... Here's the thing, Phil. Like, why not just play it in Vintage and play it in your Volt Key deck? Well, Corey was talking about uh, in his guest review about two-card Monty, which is just, you know, we're going to put a bunch of two-card combos in. We're gonna play this card, and whatever one, whatever half of the combo we haven't played, we tutor for the other half and win. So there you go. I think that's uh, that's really all there is to say. Good goblin. It works for goblin engineer for you, Phil. It works for goblin. Uh oh, goblin welder for you, Zach. As it, this is like um another one of the cards that yeah, the two card Monte combo stuff is really good. I think it's just yes, it's another artifact. I I think that people are going to have to start moving really a lot more towards like stony silence oof effects uh i think witch call Tal talisman is is going to just see play in decks that are looking for a tutor and the fact that you can just let this sit on the table and then that's already going to make your opponent have to figure out a way to deal with it like you don't have to activate it you can just no, play it. i saw I, I, you know it gets out of your hand so um excuse me it works nicely with uh lion's eye diamond so like you know, like you can activate the Lion's Eye Diamond to activate this, you know, which is which is nice. Um, or if you have two of them, you can activate two of them off a single Lion's Eye Diamond. I think I saw that in some sort of storm build. So, um, yeah, great card. Yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily know where it goes yet, but it might open up a whole bunch of new decks because just every every deck just generically getting a tutor is pretty good. And yeah, sorry, I'm trying to be a little fishing. We're already. Uh, Brazen Borrower. Uh, which one do we start with here with these adventures? Let's start with Petty Theft, which is one in a blue for an instant adventure. Return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Then you exile the card, and you can cast from exile as long as it's been on the adventure. Brazen Borrower, which has flash and flying for one blue blue, can block only creatures with flying, and is a 3-1. So, as a... This is a mythic rare. As a heads up, you don't actually have to wait till it's been exiled to cast the creature side. No, you don't have to wait. You can just, you know, jam this. Um, this is the probably the best adventure card, which I thought overall were kind of weak, which was too bad, because I thought it was a cool effect. But yeah, end of your turn, bounce your thing, go to my turn, pass, play land, pass. You try and cast a thing, I whack it with a counterspell. You don't. I just play my brazen bar with end of turn. Then I untap again and counterspell. Phil was liking this for Snapcaster Mage. No, so I, I realized what I thought you could do with it is incorrect. I looked up the rules. Yeah, oh, yeah. actually work. I thought you could uh, Snapcaster the Petty Theft and then just get another three one out of the deal. Um, but that's not how it works. When it's in your graveyard, it's just the creature. It's not a. It's not that's a. Bummer. Oh, you can't, you can't Snapcaster Adventures. No, I thought you could. And that's Adventure why was, card is a creature card in every zone except the stack. Yeah, so it's not... Okay. You, you can't flash it back with Snapcaster. I thought you could when I first saw the card. I thought in the yard it would just be considered a source, uh, an instant creature. And so you could flash so it back. So I'm guessing that's, that's why it made it to this... Uh, that's, 
That's why I got on this the, list. The, the list, right? To double yeah. check. And I was like, oh, I can't do it. You know, I so think the card. It, it's I, I again. I saw this. In, I saw this in the wild in a league, and I think it's fine. It's a good tempo card, and depending on the kind of deck you're playing, this could be the kind of thing you're in the in the uh, market for. It does like, deal with twenty twenty legendaries. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does on both ends, which is nice. Gadwick the Wizen X blue 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 legendary creature human wizard. It's a three three. When Gadwick the Wizened enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent opponent controls. So this is your cavernable blue sun zenith. It also answers uh, uh, 2020. <laughs> yeah. I, what I liked about this card when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know. Like, this struck me as a card that is, uh, like, at first I thought, you know, obviously high tide and it's another... It's a, a, another way where, like, it can also just be beatdowns if you can't go off. You can just make a 3-3 a, a three, three that drew you a bunch of cards and try and go again. Um, obviously, it being a blue sun zenith that you can cavern through is pretty sweet. Uh, the other thing I liked with it, I thought about it's obviously a legend. So with every legend that has an ETB effect, like Caracas is a thing. Uh, I have no idea if this will ever see play, but it was one of those cards that it got my gears turning enough that maybe there's something there. Uh, it it has a lot of interesting text on it that is exploitable in Legacy, and oh. I, I I think it would be interesting to find you know decks that double your mana or decks that uh, are trying to high tide and just draw a bunch of cards and reload and then they, even if they deal with this whatever. Yeah. Speaking of a lot of text, <laughs> questing beast. You want to know why this card sucks? Because the design <laughs> is so the, the the design is just boring. Like I hate these cards where they design they they just design nonsense. Like this you- is this is I hate this card, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. Okay, so everyone everyone get like a snifter of cider because we're gonna be in, settling in for story time here. It's a long card. Two green green for a four four legendary creature beast. Vigilance, death touch, and haste. Questing beast can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. And whenever Questing Beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. It's a lot of text. None of it is can't be countered. <laughs> so I was not big on this card. I did play it. I actually just played it through a league and put it in my in a Nick Fit deck, and it was fine. It was it was better as an ambush off Green Sun Zenith than anything. It's just fucking garbage design. Like, here's our mythic with, like, a bunch of keyword text on it. None of it is interesting, and I'm fucking off of it. I, I don't... I just can't figure out if it's good or bad. Like, it's got a lot of weird text on it. Everyone says it can deal true name. It's never going to kill a true name, because it has true name has to block this, or block something. That's never going to happen. Um, it two-for-one's a Planeswalker. I mean, sure... Cool. I don't know. Your, your four mana play dealt with a planeswalker. Your four mana play, yeah, I know. It, it's just like you got, you still got to stick it, and I don't, I don't know how. How? No, I put it in the deck. I forget. I think I put it in the deck mainly because we were doing the set review, and I wanted to see what it was, what it was going to do. Like, I like shifting Ceratops even a little bit more um, as a card, and obviously Thrawn is a card of that you that has seen play. Um, one mana more, you get Sigarda, uh, but. Yeah, I mean it's it I, it is weird too because it's such a weird name and it like, the questing beast is like some sort of giraffe in the Arthurian legend. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's like I wanted the card. Well, I shouldn't say I wanted the card to be good. The card's got a lot of text on it, 
But since none of it is can't be countered, you're still like sweating your four mana play, unless you cavern on beast. It's just not even good. Like your four mana four four that's just gonna get in there. You know what just gets in the way? Fucking Tarmogoyf. Like nice yeah. four four, bro. <laughs> this will kill this trades Tarmogoyf for four mana. Trades with a Tarmogoyf. Nice four mana play. Yeah. I mean, this card was not made for legacy. Yeah, and that's a that's apparent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sir Conrad the Grim, which is a pretty uh, badass name. Yeah, Sir Conrad the Grim. We're losing our. uh... Sir Conrad the Grim is a five mana card, three black, black, and you're thinking to yourself, Eternal Dirtles. How is it possible that we're talking about a five mana card in Legacy? There's no way. There's no way we're playing a five mana card in Legacy that's not, you know, ad nauseum or fucking a thing that auto kills. And you're totally right. Uh, this thing is going to auto-kill my computer, it looks but, like. But not only does it just auto-kill computers, it is one of those cards that has so much combo text on it. Uh, okay, um, three black-black, legendary creature, human knight, five-four. Whenever another creature dies, or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent, one black, each player puts the top card of the library to the graveyard, this is a fine card to goof around with, which I definitely would. This is the type of card where, because it has a text where it's it says whenever on it, plus a thing that says whenever and they lose life on it, it means that if this thing hits play, you could probably build a deck where to just like, you know, Dark Ritual and whatever, get this card out, and then it, you just win the game when it hits the board. Uh, we don't really need to say more than that, but there is... It, it's like uh, when, when Crick came out in the Commander deck, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's just like one of those things where it's like Crick is never doing anything other than winning the second it hits the board, right? Yeah. And I see that exact same idea with Sir Grim. It will probably never see play, but it is one of those things like oops all spells where maybe the payoff they need is the card that just says whenever and then the thing that the deck can just do ad nauseum. And it makes me think like this is a potential combo card and it could do a thing because the text is interesting, but that's about it. Um, I'm trying to think if you can combo it with Emery with an Ornithopter. It's unfortunately not a zombie, so you can't Gravecrawler. Oh, yeah, you could Gravecrawler with it was a zombie. Human Knight? Yeah, yeah Human Knight. If you, had a, if you had, like, a, a zombie out, this... Uh, a, Gravecrawler a grave and... and a Carnival of, of Souls. Uh, a Carnival of Souls, I guess, would work, yeah. <laughs> If this card is, it's similar to like um. I, I the first thing I thought of like was the oops all spells nonsense, where yeah. it, it's just like if you put this if you can get this thing onto the board as you just are like flipping your library over like it just auto kills them you know. Yeah. Um, Gilded Goose, one green mana for a creature bird zero two has flying. When Gilded Goose enters the battlefield, create a food token. One in the green tap, create a food token. Tap, sacrifice a food, and one mana of any color. I just, I'm looking at the price on this card, and it's making me want to just <laughs> cry. Here's your Deathrite Shaman, guys. <laughs> this Deathrite Shaman's back in business. You know why this card's so good? Because it curves into Oko, and then Oko feeds it. It curves into Oko, and Oko feeds it, but also because it's your mana dork bird that doesn't die to Ren. And also, if you're playing this in the late game, in your or mid to late game, and you're just like the the mid range control deck or whatever, it's way better than Bird because just 
there will be it's board funny. states where everybody's stalled out and like you just stabilizing your life total by spending mana to crack some food is totally fine. The fact that this does Birds of Paradise on turn one doesn't die on the draw to a Ren. It's kind of like um, uh, Tendo Ice Bridge, which just like gives you that one mana. Aether Hub. Yeah. I think this card is just a totally reasonable card that if it shows up, I'm just going to look at it and think about it as Birds of Paradise with Upside. Yep. Well, um, Love Struck Beast. Uh, let's start with Heart's Desire, which is a green mana sorcery adventure. Create a 1 1 white human creature token. Uh, then it goes on adventure. It comes back as Love Struck Beast, 2 and a green for a creature beast noble. It's a 5 5. Love Struck Beast can't attack unless you control a 1 1 creature. Here's the thing that is interesting about this card. There are not a lot of 1-1s one anymore. <laughs> Everything's a 1-2 one, or 2-1. You know? Like, yeah. You're going to have a 5-5 five, five that can't attack or block. Oh, can block. can block. You're going to have a 5-5 five, five that can't attack because just, your opponent has a ran. It's weird though, right? Because there's no 1-1s one, anymore. Huh? Yeah. What, what are you playing? It's a 1-1. One, one. Strix. Mother of Runes. Ice Fang Coatl. you got to create the token off this thing. I think this card is on the list just because it's obviously good on rate, but it's probably not going to see any play. It's it's the it's the best adventure card. It's the second best adventure card after that mythic rare, which doesn't say much about this mechanic. Q min on films hated it. <laughs> um, once upon a time, one in the green instant. If this spell is the first card, is the first spell you cast this turn, this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or a land card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I've also played this card. Flavor Home Run. Flavor Home Run. First so spell of the game starts the story. You get your protagonist, and then you see if they're going to make it on. It's, the, the flavor is absolute aces. I put this in the Nick Fit deck I just told you about. Put four of them in. My protagonists were, when I did cast this for free twice, my protagonists were Scavenging Ooze and Snow-Covered Swamp. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> that story about the, the Scavenging Ooze that, that just goes on a quest. The Snow-Covered Swamp? No, it's good. It's awesome. End of turn. You end of turn this thing, dig something up. It's it's so good. It was really good. And I I mean, I, I don't know what to say about it. Like, it's... You lost top. It, the, some of the other green cantripy stuff doesn't do quite as much. This has so much upside in the, in the early game. Um, the first thing I thought of when I saw this card for Legacy, at least, was just slotting it right into green-black depths. And it can find you either half of the depths combo or find you the creature that can get you the depths combo, whether it's a Reclaimer or a, a, a Hex Mage. Or five is a lot deeper than three. Yeah, I, I think this card being able to exploit where you specifically wanting to tutor either a creature or a land, and there being exactly one deck that's top tier that does exactly that that just being able to go like okay i'm gonna cast this for zero mana find even if it's just like finding your dark confidant and then just going okay mox diamond pitch a land play the dark confidant you know like i don't know this card seems like it would be really good in that deck three is always busted um also it being an instant (laughs) yeah for an instant speed look at the top five like impulse isn't the worst card is it the best card no but like the upside of this being zero mana versus if this were a sorcery, maybe we have to hedge a little bit and it's not quite there. But as an instant, it's totally fine. Yeah, you know your opponent's... Well, here's the thing. If your opponent, on their turn, thought seizes you, you cast this in response and find a land. 
you just immediately taken a card out of the out of your hand that they would have been able to take with the Thoughtseize, right? Um, and if they're not playing Thoughtseize, it's all upside. You just cast on their upkeep or unstep or whatever. The, the other the thing that step. I like about this card is that if you're on the draw and you see what your opponent's playing and you want to find an answer, obviously you can wait until your draw step, but you could also just do it during their end step. Yeah, I, I mean, the card's good. Definitely solid. And... Even even without the free cast, I thought I think it's closer to good than bad. Am I not wrong that you can wait until your second turn and cast it still? Yes, you can play a land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in vintage, bizarre is not a spell, and there's been quite a lot of talk Ooh. about like you're just gonna spin a bizarre, jump a bunch of stuff, play this, find another thing. It's gonna be disastrous. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> More bizarre stuff. Um, chop. Let's say chop down. Chop down. Instant adventure. Two to white. Destroy target creature with power four or greater. Then you exile it, and then for white, you get a giant killer, which is a creature, human peasant. It's a one two one white tap tap target creature. Phil, I'm not. I don't think this one's. <laughs> Phil, are you playing limited again? No. So I I put this on the list once again because it's a uh, another jackknife for. Uh, a deck that would be interested in playing creatures. So it being a removal spell for uh, a Goyf, a Gurmag, uh, whatever your the big fatties that see play are. And then also it's a one-mana spell that then can lock down a Merit Lage. It's like if this card sees no play, I, I, I'm, you know, whatever, it sees right. no play. But it does <laughs> have, it has a combination of things that are good against a bunch of things across the format at the moment. And it's a one-two. So... It's a one-two. You can't even attack with your questing beast when you have this guy in play. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, what are you doing? It's bizarre. Noble Hierarch's no one on top of it. <laughs> it's, it's another card that uh, could go in any of the, the creature-based aggro or control decks, whether it's D&T, whether it's humans, whatever, that just gives you a bunch of flexibility and it, the idea that it, you know, it can do the old limited thing in uh, creature matchups where it's like, yeah, tap down your two best guys and get in there. Hushbringer, one and a white for a creature fairy. It's a one-two. <laughs> Flying and lifelink. Creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. This is the card that, as a Nick Fit player, I actually cure the most. Because it can block, it can block better and explore and then nothing happens. <laughs> um, if there's ever a lot of these relevance on the second ability, then this is... Is this the best version of this card? Torpor Orb is two, doesn't hit de death creatures, or doesn't hit death triggers. And this is attack. the best version of this card. And there's a two mana, the Kokotli Honor Guard, but it doesn't do the dying thing. It, yeah, it's only ETBs. Yep. So now that card exists. It, uh, uh, totally fine. The old LTB. Whenever, whenever we need this hate bear. Yep. Fairy Vandal we talked about, that was a second card. Gets a plus one, plus one counter. All those cards are fine if you can build around them. Claim the first one. I love this card. This is a cool card. I keep forgetting it exists. Uh, one red mana for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature with converted mana cost three or less until end of turn. Untap that creature and it gains haste until end of turn. Do you know the dream? Oh, the dream is getting someone's Merrillage. The dream is you hex mage <laughs> their depths and then you take control of it <laughs> with this thing. I mean, come on. Pretty great. I'm into this card, Phil. I'm into this card. I think it's a, it's a, oh, it's gotta be brutal. Like if you're in like the Delver mirror, like just take their Delver. I guess you probably just want to play your own Delver. 
But this flips over. I think they're Harmagoyf off this, the board. This is for sure the best. It doesn't get rid of it though. You probably just win. Yeah, you probably like if you, if you if like let's say you've got the, the one of those board states where like you each got a couple of creatures, it's like you're racing, and then you just like take one of their creatures and put it on your side and attack with it. Yeah. That's pretty good for yeah. one mana. Yeah. This is this is the if these are threaten effects, right? Threaten steal stuff. Yeah. Threaten the original one is Ray of Command. Before that, Legends. What? Disharmony. Oh, disharmony. You're but right. you, that one you couldn't attack with the creature. This is definitely know. the best threaten they've ever printed. It's like the closest threaten that's ever been likely to see legacy play. And I, I just wish it was like, an instant. The the cute stuff that you guys just talked about, I don't <laughs> think people are gonna waste their time putting it like wasting a slot on it. I think the only way that this sees play is if you have some kind of sacrifice outlet in your deck where you can just steal that creature for a mana and sack it for value. Okay. This thing is lovely in the Hogak deck. I'll say that for sure. Oh, for I mean, I, I think I, I don't think that's true necessarily. I, I would definitely uh think about sideboarding this in against a depth deck. No, also you need a way to stop the merit lage first. This is a sorcery. Yeah, this is true, but sometimes they just make a merit lage and you have a Delver in play or whatever, like yeah, but it, it is one of those things where if, they're, if they aren't thinking about this card at all, you'll get them that first time and then never again. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where if it becomes known in the format that, like, Delver decks are boarding this, no depth player will ever walk into it. So I think, like, if, yeah, you're, if you're playing this card, you can't play it reactively. You have to play yeah. it proactively, which means that you want to have some way to get rid of their creature after you steal it. So you can steal it, attack. If it's still alive, then you can sack it for value. And that's the only way this card's going to work. But if there's Temporary a plus one. do that... If there's a deck that can do that, this oh, is a hell of a way to... Or just temporary plus one, I think. I actually, I, I don't know, I, I don't dislike this card in the Delver as a Delver sideboard card for the mirror, just for that reason. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect tempo card, you know? Is you this literally better are, than you're taking, Lightning Bolt? Well, you already have four bolts. I mean, Chain Lightning? The other, yeah. thing, the other thing that I like, I could see that it, it, see, doing work you is... Can't... Nate, your dream, right? If, if we're, we're on a cluttered board, you go, okay, claim your firstborn... Uh, steal your one creature, attack uh, ar uh, with Dreadheart Ar uh, Arcanist, replay this thing, steal your other guy, and clear the way. Yeah, that's true. And also, well, that's actually a good point. Um, the thing is, though, oh, oh, sorry, like, you can't deal with a Tarmogoyf. Like, this is a way to deal with a Tarmogoyf and use it to put pressure on them in a weird way, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a swing of, of probably eight damage because they were going to be able to block that, maybe kill your guy or whatever. Yeah, I mean, your that, that seems smaller. pretty good. Like, like if you've got Tarmogoyf, if you have Tarmogoyf, if it's a Tarmogoyf face-off, and then you in one turn attack with both Tarmogoyfs, it's pretty good. I mean, that, that could be the end of the game. I mean, you're, you're taking so many chunks of damage. It's, I don't know, it flips Delver. That's the thing, you're going to flip it to your Delver, then they're not going to play into it. Yeah, <laughs> also the type of card that I could see if you put it in that style of deck where the same the same times where you're like, all right, top deck a bolt to try and get you dead, you'll be able to do that with this card too. It's like a great card off the top in those spots. All right, deafening silence, one white mana for an enchantment. Each player can't cast more than one more than one non-creature spell each turn. Uh, we have a guest reviewer for this, our friend Grayson Parker. Grayson, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Staying busy these days. Right. Grayson is a known Chalice of the Void aficionado and also a lands player of note. And I think this card sort of occupies an interesting space between those kinds of strategies. Um, what did you think when you saw this spoil? Did it catch your eye? 
Well, there's always this tension in any storm hate card that comes up, whether or not it's going to be, you know, something really impactful. Like, is this the next Gattic the next Aethersborn Canonist? Um, or is it going to be like that um, Amulet of Safekeeping, I Amulet think is what it was called. Which my friend called Amulet of Hate Storm. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that thing didn't do anything. It, it hasn't shown up anywhere. And, you know, probably for good reason. Um, but, you know, the big difference here is that, of course, it's it's one CMC. So you can actually land it most of the time. You'll have time to play this out before your opponent can kill you. The relationship that Storm has to it is very often the same. It's, I'm going to echoing truth this, end of turn, and then I'm going to win, right? Yeah. But one CMC and not letting them chain spells, um, you know, throughout their, the next few turns might prevent them from getting to that to that point and of course it has to be paired with pressure on like something like a creature with this ability right yeah um do you so i i I thought about lands for this because especially that new deck the uh naya lands deck maybe you could describe that a little bit i don't know that's called what it is i have no idea what it's the the name for the deck is shrek the musical and i don't know why it's called that either um but you might have seen it on stream, uh, not on stream, on camera back at SCG Syracuse. Um, and it's kind of like this weird hybrid of lands, loam, and maverick. Um, yeah, the best of all but, three worlds, right? Uh, and, you might say the best of all three worlds. My experience was a little bit more negative than that. Um, the deck definitely needs some tweaking going forward. Uh, I don't, I gotta be frank, I, I don't know how the guys that do well with it do as well as they do. You um, played the deck at Grand Prix Atlanta. I did. I did. Yeah. And I you got farther than I did. I only played for 70 minutes. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, but it's, so the thing is like, this is a deck that has a lot, a number of the same sort of, um, what's we're looking for elements of these kinds of, of non blue decks, but also isn't like a chalice deck necessarily. Yeah, so that tension between having a one CMC hate spell and Chalice isn't present. So yep. this could be really valuable in a deck like that. And you get the uh, the opportunity to... Um, there's a lot of creatures, so you can still sort of two-spell on a turn. You can play a knight or something, you know, along with yeah. it. And, of course, you have the uh, ability to Depths combo, which is a clock, even if it's not in play, right? Yeah. Yeah, the the, the first thing that you fr- when you wanted to talk about this was you, you mentioned lands. Um, now in, specifically in the case of lands, I've got like maybe a weird, like green, white lands brew running in on the, you know, running on the back end right now, trying to see if there's a way to properly abuse that, um, that modern horizons card, the Academy runes for enchantments, That's, Hall of Heliod's generosity. Yeah. Um, and it might work in a deck like that, but I think most lands shells are really do need the, the sphere of resistance plan post board. Um, can you and can you expound on that a little bit? Because my idea there was that lands obviously are not non-creature spells, and with something like an exploration in play, and then this, and like all you have to do is cast loam once a turn, you probably just crush whatever spell chainy deck you're trying to stop, because they can't react to everything you do. Yeah. So there's that. The problem is that really you want to restrict them on mana. That's the primary access that you want to try and limit what they're doing. And the defi- the problem with deafening silence, um, you know, it is a speed bump. It will slow their own uh, cantrip chains to try and set up, but not to the same extent that, say, a Sphere of Resistance does. A lot of the times when Lance wins post-board games against uh, any sort of spell-based combo, 
Um, typically that revolves around resolving an early sphere and then porting your opponent out of the game so they can't resolve their ponders or their preordains. Mm -hmm. Or if they do brainstorm, they have to do it in upkeep when it's not as powerful, th that sort of thing. Um, and Deafening Silence just doesn't really interact with that game plan at all. Um, oh, actually, I, th I think it's actually kind of being um, underestimated by a lot of the legacy aficionados, um, especially in non-chalice, non-blue decks. I mean, clearly there's a role for it. If if a blue deck, if a, say a blue-white deck wants some permanent based hate for a storm combo, this honestly seems like a really strong option because if they are if they're limited to one spell a turn, then that one counter spell that you have is that much more impactful, especially in say like the sneak and show matchup where they're depending on their own counter magic. Yep. Um, but aside from that, I think there is value in it in the sideboard of something like Death and Taxes or Maverick. Um, the comparison made is uh, pretty frequently the Chalice of the Void comparison. Mm -hmm. And that's what these non-creature, ostensibly non-Chalice decks, sorry, not non-blue, non-Chalice decks bring in post-board because Chalice is a really flexible card. You know, you can play it out turn one to try and catch their artifact mana, or you can play it out turn, you can play it out turn two if you have that luxury yeah. to really impede their combo. But frequently in these discussions uh, what isn't brought up is game three so a lot of the time um, you know if you win game if you lose game one they storm you out quickly um, and say game two you can deploy this chalice for zero into a turn two thalia that's the dream right yeah um but a lot of these discussions aren't taking game three into account when you're back on uh when you're back on the draw and Deafening Silence actually seems really powerful there because good Storm players, if they know that that Chalice on zero might be coming down, will lay out their artifact mana preemptively. It's what they do against Chalice decks already. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, if you think about Punishing Maverick, which hasn't seen a ton of play, or even Zoo-type variants, and also just straight-out green-white Maverick decks, yeah. The tension is always there that you want to splash black to play Thoughtseize just because of the, what, exactly what you're saying. You're on the draw, and you, you need a piece of one-mana interaction. Yeah. Because you don't have till turn two. Because they know that you're not, They know you don't yeah. like something else, you know? <laughs> you can't bluff Forza Will. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think Deafening Silence could really be valuable in these decks. Um, Elves could play this. <laughs> they could be, actually they could interesting, that would be interesting storm defense for them maybe the time is uh it's the time has finally come to cut thought seas you can just play this in veil of summer and that'll be the end of the discussion wow ah, now i want to play zoo again yeah my, my I guess my last question for you is how bad do you feel like these decks really needed the help though like was thalia and ether sworn canonist doing enough work anyway or is this enough to actually meaningfully upset a balance in the metagame to give these decks this tool, if that makes sense? I, it does. I honestly, I think the uh, the ready adoption of a card like Veil of Summer proves that decks like Maverick and Death and Taxes, well, Death and Taxes can't play Veil, but you know a lot of these green-based decks are adopting a couple copies of Veil of Summer mm -hmm. because it does give them that turn one interaction. Um, I and know. I think that turn one interaction is so important. Um, I don't think we can underwrite it. Yeah. Or in, in fact, it. the fact that, you know, the turn one interaction traditionally in those kinds of decks has been Thoughtseize, and that just gets swallowed up by the other player's Veil of Summer. Yeah. And that's uh, that's miserable. And at least this is something that doesn't get affected by that. 
Um, I mean, the echoing truth argument, you know, it's, so it, it's not going to have the same name as something, so it's paired with something else will work. And then, you know, you're basically looking at Abrupt Decay um, as the, I guess, if I was playing Storm, that would be like the only thing I could think of to get rid of this card um, that would be yeah. meaningful. Um, we'll see as some players have been experimenting with cards like Pernicious Deed. Um, I've, oh, I've, I saw that. That gave me a that gave me a, a bit of a heart attack when I saw that. I, I mean, it's uh, it's it's something to do though, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but at least they can't go like pedal. Excuse me, pedal ritual pernicious deed <laughs> for one. They still have to do it yeah. several turns. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, there was a, there was another card I was thinking of the storm defense for this. But yeah, I think that I think that the one mana is really in the chest out, and I think that the I guess one more final question because I didn't have it as a final question. But what about other matchups such as like the the blue the cantrip decks? Is this something that you think can level the playing field for decks like that that are really losing to card quality um, you know, in, in some in some ways if they don't stick something like a Thalia? You know, I would have or can't get it down because of run and six. You know, I'm I might have agreed. Uh, I might have said that, yeah, this is something that you could bring in against um, cantrip-heavy decks. I might have agreed with that a year ago. Um, but it seems like a lot of the cantrip-heavy decks now are, well, frankly, less reliant on those de- on those cards. They're, they have haymakers of their own that just can swing the game. Um, and even like even the De- even the the best Delver deck right now, you know, NBC rug as it's called, like. Even that, it feels way more like a mid-range deck than a Delver deck has any right to. I playtested as that last night and said, this is just Jund. Yeah. <laughs> this is just Jund, but it doesn't lose. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. I, I think that um, it's it'll be interesting to see how, how impactful something like this could be. A deck like Miracles um, that is really casting a lot of spells before it really can deploy anything. But those decks are being pressured in other ways as well. Um, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting to see like something like playing this on like playing a zoo deck and then going like Savannah this and then turn to Taiga and Nakadal Nakadal. You know, yeah. that's that might be enough, but I still you know it's still kind of tough. But it's too bad, unfortunately, that this is probably just going to be narrowly targeted storm hate and will rise and fall with that archetype. Well, did you see it? Did you watch the uh, the Legacy Premier League? Emma Handy ran caught, ran some number of uh, deafening silences in the Dredge sideboard. Uh huh. Interesting. And it did a lot of work against Cyrus. But I mean, there, there, there you go. It's the perfect like your Hogak decks and things like that 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 do have access to white. Oh man, actually no, I'm I'm actually working on the uh, the Mardu uh, Hogak deck. Yeah. And right now I'm playing a few copies of Thalia in the sideboard, but. This might actually be more valuable. At the Grand Prix, I played two um, Aetherspawn Canonists, and also yeah. I think three or four Thought Seasons were in the sideboard. And you could just cut yeah. all those slots and put in four of these, because I think that was the that was the the uh, matchup they were most scared of. Yeah, I don't know if I'd cut all the Thought Seasons from the sideboard, but I'd definitely kick out the copies of Thalia. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Grayson, thank you so much for coming on with us uh, for Deafening Silence. Oh, yeah, it was a pleasure. Anytime. And as you heard, Grayson talked about it in Lands as a potential sideboard card. They're not quite as good as uh, 
uh, Thor of Amethyst, um, and also in like the sort of Naya decks that are coming up um, that you might have seen a little bit of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess the question for you guys is, as more blue-centric players, is how much do you fear this card? Not worried about this card. Uh, I don't think players are going to be boarding it in against you if you're just like a fair deck. Uh, because you're just going down a card and, you know, sure. Uh, like even, even if I'm playing Infect, I don't mind. Like, I'll just... The, that's, that's not a removal spell, right? It is not a removal spell, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Um, yeah, I think this card is going to be... Yeah, it's a good Storm Hate card, and that's probably it. It does beat your Emery deck. But, uh, I, I think this is this type of card. Storm. Yeah, it beats the Emery deck, which is you know, it's just like any beats any storm shenanigans. The thing is, is like it's the same thing that like Cyrus said on the previous episode, where he was just like, it's just going to take up whatever slot that they're playing to beat the combo decks are, and the the same stuff that deals with all the other hate is going to deal with this hate too. It's it's just another reasonable card that you you know will show up in sideboards, but it's not going to be like the end all be all of non creature. Yeah, I, I think that we've we've heard a lot of like this card's definitely the end of Storm a lot. It's just not right. <laughs> it just doesn't. It never happens. And I think that really just the question is how much of this does this move match up in one direction or the other? Uh, into the story, five blue blue instant. This spell costs three less to cast if an opponent has seven or more cards in their graveyard. Draw four cards. I don't know where you're going with this, Phil. Dude, I just see instant speed draw four. Instant <laughs> speed draw four is what he saw. <laughs> okay. All right. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Probably. Mystical dispute. Two and a blue. Instant. This spell costs two less to cast if he targets a blue spell. Counter target spell. This is controller pays three. So it's a mana leak for one more, unless it hits a blue spell, in which case it's a mana leak for one less. And I, I feel like this card's being underrated. I mean, like, you can hear your I, opponents. I, I the card I liked about it, other than it mm. being a great card against, you know, literally the best cards in Legacy. Uh, it's another card that is going to be great a lot of the time by itself, and it also is great when you're playing Painter Servant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, being able to hit your opponent's Delver when you're on the play and they're on the draw, um, and not have to like uh, daze. You know, and lose it, and, and basically put yourself back a turn. That's a thing. This card is great against Jace. If anyone keeps playing Jace, I mean, nope. There's too many three mana. It counters Oko. Yeah, I know it's good against Oko. I mean, that's the thing. Like you're really looking at this as like it's a spell pierce for the blue planeswalkers, and then it's like, oh crap. Well, at least I have this against everything else. Hey, dude, you're you're gonna you will live for all the times that you counter a TNN with it. Oh, I know for sure. That's that's the thing. I mean, it, there's enough blue mirror going going on. Maybe I mean, it's not dead in the non against the non blue decks. It's just that three mana mana leak is not a great card, except it's got all upside in like counter wars. You know. Yeah, it's a but, it's it's a card that'll see a ton of play, but it's gonna see play in the same way that like red blast, blue blast, and flusterstorm get interchanged depending on what you think the meta is gonna look like. Yeah. Red cap melee one red instant. Red cap melee deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If a non-red permanent is dealt damage this way, you sacrifice a land. It's a big price to pay for four damage. But it does hit planeswalkers, which is interesting. I think magnetic it, sinkhole. Yeah, sinkhole seems better, right? I think you might have made this list before sinkhole saw out of play, Phil. I think this this card is probably worse than sinkhole unless you are leveraging 
sacking the land in some capacity. Like if you're yeah. if if you're the 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 deck that's trying to like recur lands for value or just you know that type of deal, uh, being one mana is pretty good. But yeah, Magmatic Sinkhole is probably just going to take over that that slot. Um, but this is a a tool that being able to sack a land uh, at instant speed to kill something is pretty good. It's also one of those things where like uh, it has value against uh, like if they try and wasteland you, you can like in response kill their thing and sack the land. That would be that would be good. Um, Zach's having a Zach's I'm fixing good. something over here. He's good. Okay. Uh, Specter's Shriek, one black man. A target opponent reels reveals her hand. You choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player exiles that card. If a non-black card is exiled this way, exile a card from your hand. So, here's the thing. This thing uh, exiling stuff is it's a it's a it's a two for one on yourself to exile target card from their hand. And I think a lot of people say, like, well, it's just worse than Thoughtseize, but Exiling is not countering, or Exile is not the graveyard, right? So, for example, if your opponent's hand is Animate Dead, Animate Dead, Reanimate, Grizzlebrand, you can, hit the, you can take the Grizzlebrand, and it goes away forever. And that's worth two for wanting yourself. Yeah. In, in my mind, the, the, the way to think about this card is there are times where it's going to be Thoughtseize, and then there are times where it's going to be Unmask. And those are all fine cards in the decks that are interested in doing that. And the fact that this is a card that can take anything. And if you're in the market for that type of card, then this is just a card that you can play and not care. As an aficionado of the discard style decks, the Exile is, is real relevant. Pass and Flames is the worst thing on Earth. Or best thing on Earth. Dude, when, when, when uh, Force and Negation was uh, starting to just like hop into decks, everybody was surprised, including me, on how good the exiling the clause, exile clause is when you counter the spell. People are going to be surprised the same way. They're going to look at they're going to look at their opponent's hand. They're going to be like, "Oh shit, I can exile the punishing fire, or I can exile." Yeah, the exiling the punishing fire is tough. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you exile the card from your hand, but again, you're right. Unmask exists. Force of Will is played. Like Force Negation is played. It's all it's all good. Charming Prince. Okay, so we've gone through Phil's big list. Now we're going to... I have three cards, and then Zach has a card that we added to Phil's list. So this is my card. The next three are the ones I put on. Um, the two because I like them, one because I felt like we should talk about it. Uh, but Charming Prince, one and a white for a creature. Human Noble, it's a 2-2. Two, two. When Charming Prince enters the battlefield, choose one. Scry two, or you gain three life, or exile another target creature you own, return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So... The the uh, payoff, the big payoff on this is the blink, and I and I think that is insane. This is the only two mana blink that exists on a creature. Um, everything else, I, I I believe I looked everything else up, and everything else was at least three mana to blink on a creature as an entered the battlefield. Um, so that means in your vile decks, you are threatening to ex to uh, do shenanigans uh, with a vile two. For the same cost as cloud shift. Cloud Shift is one mana, but Flicker, the original one, is two mana. Huh. The best Flicker that exists now is Ephemerate. Ephemerate also exists. It's you know again, it's not on a creature. Um, so there's that. You also, I, I think that Scry two and you gain three life as potential enters on this are is underrated. They're, neither of them are great, but it's sort of like Drown in the Lock, like like there are gonna be times when you're like, oh, this is just isn't getting it the job done. 
or you know but like at least i have this you know in my deck or something you know for those other times I, it's it's going to be very situational and i think the blink is the blink is just good like it, it's a good it's there's so many enter the battlefield effects um that you can exploit with something like this that i think it's you know something to keep an eye on um there's also that uh what's the name of that card soul herder from modern horizons yeah. like there's like an exiled deck when you blink like a eternal witness or any of those cards it's it's just really good um and even just hitting it's like a bear scry too i mean in white it's pretty good so i don't know you guys have an opinion i um, and i would never throw this into a deck but it's not in it's not in decks i would play yeah, the decks that would be... Like, I think in, you in could probably... Card. Uh, I mean, I've uh, Itai, who is a big humans player now, uh, he mentioned that this might be a card that he would look to uh, for that kind of deck, but I think that's pretty much about it. Yeah, Blink's, blinking is good, and I think that there, there might be a payoff at some point. Oh, this Blink's um, Thraben, Thraben Inspector. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, some Inspector, also a 1-2. Also a 1-2 for 1. Yeah, it doesn't die to... Uh... Oops, I did this wrong. Well, I lost my card. I was really excited about this card, and no one agrees with me, and so far nothing's happened with it. Stormfist Crusader. Black and a red for a creature, Human Knight. It's a 2-2 two -two with Menace. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card and loses one life. Now, I sent you guys a diagram about how much damage someone would take if you went vice into this. <laughs> and I haven't tried it yet. Um, but here's the thing. A couple of things about this card. One, you're not, you're not going down on cards relative to your opponent. You have a creature in play with Menace, which means it's hard to block. Um, and you're keeping up. You're basically just like a Howling Mine, but in like, unlike Howling Mine, your opponent you would see the cards first. first. Yeah. Usually your opponent will get the card first. In this case, you do, or you get it at the same time. It also does, you know, nuke them for one when that happens on your turn. Um, and if you're just drawing more bolts or more stuff to the face than them, you might not care how many cards they have. You're not really playing on that angle. Um, unless they cast Oko. Unless they cast Oko. Well, then you got to attack Oko with this. It's got Menace. Yeah, this is probably bad against Oko. <laughs> and I, I mean that in, like without any sense of irony. I, I was just thinking, like, this thing is an evasive attacker. It's a dark confidant. And it's a, it's a dark confidant that's evasive and doesn't get whacked by red for the low cost of your opponent also getting to draw a card, which I know is not the, <laughs> not like the, a the low, low, low cost. cost. But, like, you know, people, I, people, I, you know, play Veteran Explorer and stuff like that. Like, sometimes you just got to, like, hope that you're, that you're exploiting it better than they are. Um, notably, this this triggers spectacle, so you can use skewer the critics with it a lot more effectively if you're in the market for the ninth and tenth bolt with it. But um, I'll put something out with it eventually. The other thing I was thinking was in Phoenix decks. Um, the Phoenix decks have played Dark Confidant in the past, but Dark Confidant's just not really well positioned right now because of Renin Six. Um, and so this will like it's like does kind of the same thing while being evasive, and you have a lot of hand attack in Phoenix. So you can kind of just still manage their hand a little bit, and you won't flip Phoenix to this like I always did with Dark Confidant, uh, or it won't matter if you do because you just lose one life anyway. So that's my that's my case for Storm Fist Crusader. It's a Dark Confidant kind of. 
slightly worse. Or, or slightly better. Uh, okay, you guys don't care. Stonecoil Serpent. This is X for a 0 0 artifact creature snake. It has reach, trample, protection from multicolored, and Stonecoil Serpent enters the battlefield. X plus one plus one counters on it. I wanted to mention this because people are starting to play it in your. Uh, like Stompy, right? Steel Stompies? Steel Stompy. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of the deck. So yeah. it's on your radar. It's good against Delver with, with your Soul Land, right? You can stop the, the Delver immediately. Or at least stop him for, for killing you by trading this card with it. Then uh, it's pro multicolor, so uh, no abrupt decay, no abrupt decay, no Dak Faden, no Dak. Um, and then like late in the game, you just have like a six six. Yeah, or however big an endless one is. Phil Stone Coil Serpent. You can cast it from your graveyard with Oko. I mean the the. <laughs> <laughs> This thing is only going to be as big as whatever you tap out for it. I just don't think the... Yeah, I mean, the, the only deck that, that wants to play this is going to be like a Steel Stompy deck that has trouble against uh, a Delver deck because of because of their Soul Lands that deal damage to them. So, like, normally they'd have to use a Walking Ballista to kill a Delver, Delver that turn. Like, I have to have it. Um, whereas this uh, doesn't just auto like they don't waste one of their better cards against uh, a Delver. I don't know. I think like if you, if you're trying to do the XX stuff, like like yeah, maybe it's not it's not XX. It's just, it's just X. X. It's just X. Oh yeah, no, just the I, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm saying that like if you're tapping out for an X spell that's not Ballista to try and deal with that stuff. I mean, aren't you already like? I, I still think Hangerback Walker would be be better than that card. I mean. I could be wrong. I just I don't see that card really. Well, it's nice that it doesn't get abrupt decayed. That's that's really nice. Yeah, but that's if, trample. If, if, so the, evasion. If, if the line is like, oh, I want it potentially against the the Delver decks, like, sure. The well, Hangerback Walker doesn't deal with the Delver at all. What's up? You need four mana to deal with the hanger uh, with the Delver. No, no, I get it. I'm saying that and the Hangerback Walker. Needs I, the I'm saying that yeah. the, the decks that are playing Soul Lands that are trying to tap. For a big X creature, if they're not doing it with Ballista, you know, like, I, I just can't see a world where Stone Cold Serpent would be good enough against enough things to warrant the slot and not just be, you know, if you're playing the Ancient Tube card, why aren't you just playing the the, the plus three, minus three card at, that uh, distorted whatever? Spatial distortion. Spatial distortion. You know, I, I mean, I just... That's I, what I, that's I, what I, I have, and I couldn't find Morgan Whales. I, I don't see the problem Stone Cold Serpent is solving or presenting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if there's some kind of snake tribal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is a snake, so it is uh, good with tavern on snake. <laughs> you get this, Strix, River Boa. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Strix, Ice Fang Koala, which is not an artifact. All right, Zach, you saw this card in action, and you told us you were talking about it. Doom Foretold, two white and black for an enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. If they can't, they discard a card... They lose two life. You draw a card. You gain two life. You create a two-two white knight creature token with vigilance. Then you sacrifice Doom Foretold. So it's basically like Abyss, but for opponents Planeswalkers. Whoa. Okay. And it works on their turn. It like hits. This hits the board. It kills their Planeswalker. If that's all they have in play. 
And it keeps doing that until it makes you a knight, draws you a card, and gains you two life, and domes them for two. But you... You okay. also have to do this. You also have to do this. Yeah. So what happens if so you like, pass Oko's back good. to you? What happens if they pass back to you, and you have to sacrifice this? Then you don't get the effect, right? Um, is it other permanent? No, that player sacrifices any non land on Well then, yeah. So your opponent would never hit 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 on this. At the beginning of each player's upkeep. So you you either the only way you get the crazy swingy effect is if you sacrifice something else on your turn and they didn't. You get what I'm saying? Because you have to sacrifice this to its own effect, and then you yeah. don't get the So that yeah, that would never happen. So it only works if your opponent sacks something. Doesn't have sorry, can't sack something. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I saw this card. And I was like, "This is interesting," and then I then I got lost in it and couldn't figure out how to so, actually make it but work. But the thing is, so I played this today on on Arena, uh, and I'm playing this like Esper stack stack that has Dance of the Mance that like gets gets yeah. a bunch of stuff back. You get mana rocks and stuff like that. But what's really good about this is you, if you build a deck that has just a bunch of permanents. Um, you sack a whatever, a mana rock, and they lose, uh, they lose, like, a, a Planeswalker or a Delver or, like, you know, so you're continually just getting them for, like, one or two card, one card a turn, uh, and it doesn't matter what the casting cost of that card is, like, you, you slam this and you're just continually abyssing them for some permanent. Um, it's non-land, non-token permanent, so it does not get protected by... Um, making food. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but you have to have other non-land, non-token permanents. Correct. The best thing I can think of with this is Nether Spirit. I'm probably wrong on something. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing you use in Standard, so I haven't tested this card out in Legacy, the thing you use in Standard is that there's a Golden Egg and uh, some some other, like, egg card. Uh, the, basically, they draw you a card when they come to play, and then you can sack them for uh, mana. Or, yeah. I'm with I'm with you on this card from a conceptual standpoint. Yeah, this is a card I, kind of I can see a build yeah. around. It's it's good against like, I mean, let's say okay. So if you get this down on four, I mean, it's not great against Delvers because it's a four, right? Yeah, but it's good against like weird stuff like miracles and. Um, if your opponent has a bunch of enchantments in play and some plane walkers, and you have something that you don't want, like don't necessarily need, yeah, you know. I mean, if you could, like a grave crawler that you can just bring, keep bringing back or something, bloodgast, um, nether spirit is why I, I keep thinking nether spirit. I know that's not right, but I keep thinking it. But uh, Icarids, no. Oh wait, because you could stack the trigger and then sacrifice the Icarid. But yeah. yeah, that's going pretty deep. I don't know. I like the card. I really do. I it, it it would take some work, but I bet it could be broken. And that is our throne of Eldraine set review. We did it. Did it. Phil. Good work. Phil, Phil sent us all those cards up to Charming Prince, by the way, everybody. Banshee Rock all did. Like Insane. Um, we, I don't think we had any new Patriots or anything this week. No, I think I think we're fresh this week. So, as like I said, uh, thanks to our guest reviewers, uh, Corey and Grayson, for helping us out. Uh, we're going to sort of revamp. We're going to see how that worked, and then we'll revamp how we select guest reviewers. That might be something through Patreon that yeah. we can put together. Um, and let's see. Until then, we'll guess we'll get you next week with uh, yeah. 
Now we're exhausted. We'll do a uh, we'll, we'll do, do a, a uh, old school update with uh, between me and Nate after this in the hotel room. Oh yeah, because we're gonna play old school right now. All right, <laughs> Bill, you good? I'm great. Have a good week, everybody. Bye, everybody. Later on. Where does he get those wonderful toys?